Well, we continue our series on the love letter from God this morning, and we move into the book of Ruth. Ruth is an interesting book for a number of reasons, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. Our text this morning comes, as always, from John 3.16, our key verse for the series. And then we will read Ruth chapter 1. I'm not going to ask you to stand this morning because it is a pretty lengthy reading. But John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Ruth chapter 1. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem and Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, his wife's name was Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah. And they went to Moab and lived there. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They were women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about ten years, both Malon and Kilion also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food, she and her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home, kindness of you, as you have shown kindness to your dead husband to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they wept aloud and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But they pressed and said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who would become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. And even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. At this they wept aloud again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. Let us pray. Hide me behind your cross, Lord Jesus. 
Articulate the Father's heart through my voice and let the Holy Spirit breathe new life to us, opening our ears to hear the message of God. Amen. There's a prayer that is cited to St. Francis of Assisi, although it may well have been an anonymous prayer. It goes like this. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me bring love. Where there is offense, let me bring pardon. Where there is discord, let me bring union. Where there is error, let me bring truth. Where there is doubt, let me bring faith. Where there is despair, let me bring hope. Where there is darkness, let me bring your light. Where there is sadness, let me bring joy. O Master, let me not seek as much to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that one receives, it is in self-forgetting that one finds, it is in pardoning that one is pardoned, it is in dying that one is raised to eternal life. In many ways, this prayer summarizes the book of Ruth for us. It says that someone can be all of these things to someone else. I read to you the first chapter, which is really a devastating story of Naomi's loss. It's Ruth's loss too, but Naomi has lost a lot. And coupled with it, we see Ruth's commitment to being an instrument of God's love to her mother-in-law, although it costs her much. Ruth is leaving her homeland, her birth family, everyone that she has ever known, everything that she has ever loved behind. And she is going to a land where there are enemies to her and her people. She is going because she believes that what Naomi has told her of her God. So we see desperation and loss and tragic circumstances. And we hear Naomi say that she is bitter and sad. She's broken. And Ruth comes alongside her and walks with her. This book is very different from the ones that have come before it. It speaks of God in a new way, not as an active interventionist, although God is certainly still active in Ruth's story, but as one who is working through those who believe. Because God doesn't speak in this book. If you read the rest of Ruth, you'll see there is no point in time where God says, or the word of the Lord comes down to the people. Instead, the people act as though they know what God wants. And God speaks through them as they move and do what God would have them do, not because they get a divine message, but because they are living out their faith in response to the circumstances around them. Naomi and Ruth, they're not supernatural characters. These are women who are burdened with desperate circumstances. They've experienced loss. They've experienced love. They know what it is to watch a husband die. They know what it is to suffer hunger. 
They know what it is to be lonely. They're just women. Walking a road that is very uncertain. Going to a place where one of them has never been before and the other one left in desperate circumstances. Just women. Women like you and I. People. And when they get to Bethlehem, things happen. The people there are sort of excited to see them. But as they move through their lives, they realize they're going to need to eat. And they don't really have a way to plow the fields and do that. So Ruth goes out to glean from the fields. And as she does that, she encounters this man, Boaz. As it turns out, Boaz is related to Naomi, and so then can become what's called a kinsman redeemer for Ruth. He can rescue her from her circumstances. And they find out that there's one other person who is more closely related. Boaz has to go and ask him first if he can redeem Ruth and Naomi. And he encounters him right away when he goes looking for him. And the man is all for it when he finds out it's property, not so much when he finds out he also has to take in this woman, this single foreign woman, into his family. He says, that's not going to work for me. So Boaz takes them in. He marries Ruth. But these are just women who love each other, loved the same people. They're grieving. And they're leaning into whatever God has for them. God doesn't do any wonders or signs in the book of Ruth. But instead, God works through ordinary people who need each other. Here's how the account of Ruth and Naomi's life together closes out at the end of chapter 4. There's a lineage of King David, but before that it says, So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. When he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. The women said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a kinsman redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you, and who is better to you than seven sons, has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. And the women living there said, Naomi has a son. And they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Ruth is better to Naomi than seven sons. She has loved well and given everything over for her mother-in-law, and she has been rewarded with God's blessing. Not only is she the great-grandmother of a boy who would be king of her nation, but she is now in the lineage of the king of kings, King Jesus, who would redeem us all. Ruth's love for Naomi opened up blessing to Naomi too and made it possible for Naomi to shed the bitterness she once knew 
and exchange it for the kind of joy that only comes from being loved and being loved well. The Hebrew text uses this word, this special word, to reflect this beautiful version of God's love. It is the work of God's loving kindness through the hands and feet of the people who believe in God. And the word is hesed. Hesed. Hesed is what we are called to be to one another through Christ. It is hesed that brought Jesus to us as a man and God. It is hesed that should be our life of holiness in every place and movement as we live Christ-like lives. Hesed is the loving kindness of God brought to other people through the people of God. We pray St. Francis' prayer as our plea for God's infusion of hesed in us that gives us the power and possibility to live out what God has called us to. Ruth's story is proof that God can and will use ordinary people who love God and give that love away. All we have to do is be willing to be used. This week I urge you to think of someone in your circle, someone around you, that is in a great need of seeing God at work in their lives. Some person you know and work with or live near. Someone who needs help to exchange their difficulty, their hard life, their attitude with the joy and peace that only comes from being loved as Jesus does. Find a way to be said to them. Give yourself away to them. Find one thing you can do, one thing you can say, one way you can love them. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there's hatred, let me bring love. Where there is offense, let me bring pardon. Where there is discord, let me bring union. Where there is error, let me bring truth. Where there is doubt, let me bring faith. Where there is despair, let me bring hope. Where there is darkness, let me bring your light. Where there is sadness, let me bring joy. O oh, Master, let me not seek as much to be consoled as to console to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that one receives. It is in self-forgetting that one finds. It is in pardoning that one is pardoned. It is in dying that one is raised to eternal life. That is the essence of hesed. To be the opposite of what is expected in the places where love is needed most. And we can be Hesed because we have the power of Christ in us to be Hesed to others, to be God's love to those 
around us. As we have been doing every week in this series, I remind you again of what it looks like to say that the love of God is found in every page of scripture. What does it mean to say God loves? God loved us enough to create us, to form us from the dust. God loved us enough to let us fail, to let us choose our own way over God's, to let us chain ourselves to sin and defeat and heartbreak and sorrow and death. God loved us enough to provide a rescue, a way back, through wanderers, murderers, adulterers, defaulters, promise breakers, foreigners, strangers, and lovers. God loved us enough to show us mothers, judges, kings, and prophets who loved and spoke for God and kept reminding us of the promise of redemption. God loved us enough to show us how evil and wrong continually mess things up and how obedience to God fosters holiness and bestows blessing. God loved us enough to send us Jesus, the only begotten Son of God, to preach and live peace, grace, hope, joy, and love. God loved us enough to see Jesus rejected, to see him die, to see him buried. God loved us enough to raise Jesus from the dead and send the Holy Spirit to remind us of all we have in him and empower us to live like him. God loved us enough to want us to live like Jesus, an abundant life infused with all the fruit of the Spirit, redeemed, free, loved. God loved us enough to still let us choose our destiny. God loved us enough to promise the hope of forever, of resurrection from the dead, and judgment. God loved us enough. God loves us enough. God will always love us enough. For God so loved the world. God loves you. God wants you to know it. God wants you to live in it. God wants you to be able to love others because you know you are loved. And God's love is expressed to us every week most tangibly as we gather at this table. The son who died and yet lives gave everything so we could know the depth of God's love. So come, drink the wine, eat the bread. Know you are loved. God loves you. Go, love the world with him. <laughs>